welcome to episode 99 of the Elevate Your Running podcast. My name is Sarah Mandershed. My co-host is Austin Myers. And today I'm here to talk to you and share with you the six ways that you can be a stronger runner without going to the gym. And I think this is a really great topic to talk about right now. We are in, if you're listening to this around the time that we publish this episode, we're in between Thanksgiving and the Christmas holiday. A lot of people have raced, right? We have CIM coming up in just a few days and then um, a few other marathons, but really not any majors until the spring. So now is a great time to think about how to be a stronger runner. Maybe that is without going to the gym. So we're going to talk about that today and all the little things that you can do so you can show up to your next training cycle already feeling strong. I know I've been able to do that over the last two marathon training cycles. And I have to say, it is a game changer. And I really don't want to start another training cycle feeling like I'm playing catch up, feeling like I need to work on speed and I need to work on endurance and I need to really work on that threshold. Obviously, those are all things that we do work on in any training cycle, but to show up already having a very strong baseline is hands down one of the most confidence boosting things that you can do as an athlete as you head in to your next training cycle. So um, with that, we are just one episode away from episode 100. Austin and I are very excited about this episode. Um, I might be more excited than him, but I think that's like pretty true for a lot of things, right? My energy levels are high. I felt like our 100th episode, which will be released next week, is such a strong episode. It was my favorite episode to record. It is very interesting. I found the conversation, yeah, very interesting. And I just wanted to continue to ask questions and to hear more stories too about running and training and all good things. So, um, so I'm really excited for that episode. So that means we only have one week left for our giveaway. Now, this is going to be through Spotify only. Go in, comment, rate, review the Elevate Your Running podcast, and you will be entered to win a giveaway of Sarah's favorite things. <laughs> so it's going to be a lot of really great things that I love and use as an athlete. It's also going to be um, a lot of products that other brands have aligned with. So Scratch Labs, awesome company based in Boulder, Colorado. They have sponsored the Elevate Your Running team for a year and a half now. So you'll get a bunch of scratch items. Coach Soak, Epsom salt baths, and magnesium cream is amazing. It's really the thing that I've been doing um, on Tuesday nights and on Friday nights or Saturday nights, depending on where my long run fell in this training prep for CIM, was taking an Epsom salt bath. And it was Rue Teen every Tuesday night, every Friday or Saturday night, getting my body ready to go and crush those workouts or long runs. And if you follow me on Strava, you know that they were like no joke. <laughs> they were definitely intense and also a lot of fun. But I also wanted to show up and have my body show up feeling as strong as it could for those bigger quality sessions. So that's going to be included. Kate's Real Food uh, bars are awesome. They're gluten-free. They're organic. They're awesome to have as a snack. 
snack, especially as athletes, I feel like maybe we don't spend enough time snacking or we don't have snacks in our bag. These are super great. They come in like a regular size bar, mini bars, throw in your bag, have them readily available. Um, they're so delicious and they come in a variety of flavors. There's also going to be some Elevate swag that I throw in there too. So think hat, probably a hoodie and um, some stickers and some other fun things. So We'd love to see your comments, your, your your reviews, and all the ways that you can um, support Elevate here between now and episode 100, which is next week. It's dropping December 7th. We're so excited. Are you an athlete who's in a season of base training? Or are you considering a new A-goal race distance for the spring 2024 and you're not really ready to commit to working with a coach yet. The Elevate You're Running easy-to-download PDF training plans are available now in base 5K, 10K, half and marathon distances for both beginner and intermediate runners. These plans are super easy to follow. You have the option to adjust your time on feet and your rest days so you set yourself up for success on race day. This is what Daniel says about the half marathon beginner plan, which is the best selling plan right now. Daniel says, I felt strong at the end of the race with a lot of energy. My hydration and fuel plan worked perfect. I sipped water every 10 minutes plus my electrolytes scratch. And I took three gels, one with caffeine five minutes before the race, another one at mile four and the last one at mile nine. One of my goals was feeling strong throughout the race. And I achieved that. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. It was so fun to chat with Daniel. So Daniel actually reached out upon purchasing the plan and had a few questions. And that is something that I really pride myself on. It's in all of the downloadable plans about if you have any questions, concerns, comments, things that you want to run past me, reach out, send me an email. It might take a day or two to get back to you, but I definitely will. And um, if you read or hear Daniel's um, message, that's a lot of elevate racing philosophy. It's a lot of my racing philosophy. And I think that's, what's really fun is, you know, making sure you're taking your electrolytes, making sure that you're getting your gels in that caffeine gel five minutes before the race is so clutch for the half marathon. So you can save 20% right now with code elevate 20. That's capital E 220 at checkout. And that's at elevateyourrunning.com forward slash download dash training dash plans. All right, let's get into it. I'm really excited about this conversation because like I um, started the episode, this is kind of a season to think about not just what you want to do in 2024. And I know that's probably going to be something that we talk about on the podcast um, after I talk about it with the Elevate team here in a week or two in our monthly info session and what you want to create in 2024. And a lot of like what you do now between November, December, maybe even January, depending on when you're racing your next A-goal race, this time is actually pretty critical. Like, yes, last week we talked about all the ways that you get to have fun. And there are so many ways that you can incorporate fun, not just when you're in off-season, pre-season, training. I mean, there's so you, I really, as a coach and as an athlete, as a human, I really, really want everyone, just a little unrealistic, but everyone 
to feel like they can incorporate fun no matter where they are in the training process. But I think it's also really important to be strategic with how you set up your downtime. Now, everyone's going to be different, right? And when I say downtime, it's really kind of like this season right now. If if you closed out your fall A goal race, if you're not quite heading into your spring race training yet, still being intentional with this time is going to move mountains. So over the summer, I really didn't have a whole lot, quote unquote, to train for, right? So I was training for a spring marathon that I ran on Marathon Monday. And then I signed up for the Boulder Boulder 10K on Memorial Day, which was about six weeks later. But it wasn't actually something that I wanted to race. And then I had all summer open. And it really wasn't until after Boston. After Boston, my coach and I sat down and we really planned out the next, I guess, eight months, right? Through CIM. Like, what did I want to create in the marathon space? Half marathons are my jam, my favorite distance to race. So I had needed one in there for sure. And what did we want to create over the summer? Well, we already knew based on how I showed up last summer um, in my first training cycle with my current coach that I really needed to work on speed. And it was something that we sprinkled in through my Chicago prep, through my Boston prep, but it was something that we knew we really needed to target over the summer. And I was supposed to sign up for more races than I actually ran. And I didn't for, I think, a few different reasons. I knew I was going to have a really fun fall. And I knew I had a few races. I had two races. Actually, I had three between Memorial Day and Labor Day. I had three races. And then I knew I had three more races between Labor Day and CIM. And I think that's really something that really came up for me was going into my first CIM, I was totally tired. (laughs) Like I raced six times in three or four months. It was a lot. And I really didn't want to show up that way. I really wanted to have more of a funner, like a fun summer, right? Of like training, hard workouts, but not necessarily like tapering, racing, recovery, back to running and then repeat, right? I just love running so much that a lot of times I don't need to race. But anyways, the summer was really a great time for me to be very strategic going into the fall, right? So we worked on top end speed. I worked a lot of 200s. I remember talking to the girls on the track. This was like workout number four. And I'm like, I have 200s again. Like it was my fourth workout in a row of having 200s because I really needed to work 200s. And um, it was really cool to see that process over the summer, go from running about 42 second 200s down to 36, 37. And, um, and just knowing that being intentional and also just continuing to work and, and work hard on what you're going after is going to be a huge needle mover. So my summer was very, very strategic. We worked one mile. We worked 5K pace. We worked on my nutrition. We worked on putting myself in a very uncomfortable position and running in the heat. Um, I ran very 
consistent, higher mileage. I think I averaged between 55 and 60 miles most weeks this summer going into marathon training, which was a little interesting, right? Going into a marathon training cycle already kind of running a lot um, could go one of two ways. And And it was a really good season to be very, very intentional, right? And then I came through my training cycle this fall running the Chicago 5K, PRing the 5K, um, running a 1925. I PRed the half marathon running a 128. Um, I'm going into CIM feeling really good and came three seconds away from PRing my 10K in a training run in Boulder. So all in all, I would say having the intentionality around your quote unquote off-season or preseason really is going to set you up for success for running a really strong training cycle heading into whatever you're planning to do next. So this also gets to be that type of season, right? Um, So if you're in between seasons, finding that intentionality of what you actually want to do. What do you want to create in 2024? How do you want to show up? Do you want to start a training cycle feeling really strong and kind of already fit? It's a super fun place to be. Um, I've been in both, right? So these are my six ways of how you can show up to be that stronger runner as you enter your next training cycle, but without lifting heavy weights. And I'm using that, that like note of without lifting heavy weights. Cause I think a lot of times when we think, oh, you're a strong runner, you are in the gym, you're lifting a lot, you're doing a lot of strength training. And although I know that is a huge, strength training is a huge component to being a very strong, consistent, healthy runner. It's not everything, right? There are so many other ways that we can show up, especially right now with the holidays and how busy everyone is. So being consistent with running, having the holiday parties, sending out the holiday cards, making the holiday treats, shopping for all the gifts, right? Doing all the things that you want to do and how you celebrate this holiday season, along with being an athlete and staying true to that, right? So these ideas were kind of designed around, okay, I either don't want to lift heavy because I'm a runner. (laughs) How many of you are like, yep, that's me. I totally get that. Um, That used to be me until I actually started lifting heavier. And I actually really, really like it now. So I think that's food for thought of sometimes what we resist. If we actually just relax and and let ourselves do it and commit to the process, sometimes we might find something that we actually enjoy. Um, But how many of us are like, I just want to run. I don't want to lift. I don't want to do mobility. I don't want to do anything. I just want to run. I think more athletes than not are that way. And I was that way for a very long time. I think the newer or the more novice beginner athletes can kind of think that way, right? And then I think and know once you kind of start stacking your training cycles and you realize that, wow, I'm in my like sixth marathon, let's say, right? Like I am going into CIM, like you have to up level each training cycle in order to get a different result. There has to be something different that stimulates the body. And strength training is definitely one of those things that you're going to see a huge difference 
maybe not in that first training cycle, but it's going to come through in the tra- in the second training cycle, hands down. So it's something to think about. Um, but there are so many other ways to be a stronger runner. And ultimately, if you can show up to the line feeling strong or starting a training cycle feeling strong, then you are in contention to have a great day, right? It's not always about that. There's so many unknowns going into a race, specifically a marathon. It's just too long. You never know what's going to pop up or what's going to happen. So um, how do we really strengthen the legs and mind without spending hours in the gym, right? So this, these ideas are going to be slow burns. It's the ability to stay happy and healthy first. I think once you start, if you're someone who doesn't want to go to the gym, if you're someone who doesn't have access to a gym or someone who doesn't have maybe as much time in their schedule to fit in strength training, these are all other things that you can do, right? So first we're going to get into, (laughs) it's a little taboo, uh, bands and mobility. So body weight strength. Ah, I said we weren't going to do heavy lifting weights. That's right. We're not. But there are so many things that we can do as athletes that pro runners do every single day day that's going to make us strong. So I really leaned into more mobility starting this summer. And I feel like there are so many things that I've added to my training to show up different and to show up really, really strong right now. And I have to like thinking about everything, bands and mobility is definitely in the top three of what I think has moved my training and fitness forward because it's allowed me to recover faster, which is allowing my body to do more and having more quality, which is up-leveling my fitness. So having the resistance band workouts, having the mobility in your schedule is going to be huge. It is a component of injury prevention. So that's a cool piece, right? Um, but it's also something that is going to make you, it's like active recovery. So Austin's talked about this and I love this saying, it's like you walk out of the gym feeling better than you walk into the gym. Or in this case, because we're not going to the gym to lift, right? Or to do any strength training, resistance bands and mobility are all things that you can do in your home. I live I joke. It's like a tiny home. It's pretty small. Um, And I still have space um, to get in mobility and bands. And I'm also like 5'8", so, (laughs) and mostly legs. So when you're thinking about like um, some different types of mobility work and needing to have that extension through like the posterior chain and you know, I need to have space, right? And I would say my inside interior space is probably around 600 feet, maybe slightly under. And then I have a really nice patio, which extends the overall square feet um, of my place. So it's pretty small, Um, but I'm still able, if I want to, to do bands and mobility in my home and be able to do it um, with enough room to be successful. So these look like 
It can be two or three sessions a week. I would say if you're having trouble fitting anything else into your running schedule, start with one day a week. And they can be 15 to 20 minutes working your way up to sometimes I have 30 to 40 minutes of mobility and resistance band moves. Now, this also includes like I'll throw in some like core work and some planks and some upper body stuff, right? Um, But that's just me and it's something that I want to do and it's something my upper body definitely needs more attention than my lower body on most days um, to show up feeling really strong for running like a 26.2 or 13.1. So I really try to target that as well. But you could really think about doing some hip circles, some cat cows, some leg overs, uh, clamshells, glute bridges, leg bumps, um, monster walks. These are all incredible resistance band and mobility moves to help you loosen up a little bit and feel good. And I know definitely the older we get, the harder it is to just jump out of bed and feel good, right? (laughs) I'm at a point now where I'm like, give yourself about three minutes before you judge how badly your legs feel right now. (laughs) And I'll usually walk around for like three minutes. I'm getting coffee. I'm feeding Kenzie. um, And I try and just walk around just to loosen up the legs and see what I'm what I'm dealing with that morning in terms of how my legs feel and how heavy they feel or how tired they are from yesterday's workout or long run. Um, so give yourself grace around that. But the the resistance bands and the mobilities, the planks, um, using some um, like sliders, those are all super super great. It really is the foundation to really hone in on and really make sure that you're doing these moves for that active recovery, for that mobility, before you even think about adding in strength, right? Like I'm a big believer in strength. I want to make sure everyone is very clear on that. But I feel like this is such a foundational thing that can be added to anyone's plan. And it can be something that you're doing like at night, listening to an audiobook or if you watch TV at night like watching TV or um, talking to your partner or something like that and better yet have them do it with you because whether you're an athlete or not or runner or not like um, everyone can benefit from this so it is really something that is incredible to add into your training so I think if you're starting out one day a week is awesome if you have the ability to add in two or three times a week. I really love working on mobility and resistance band and kind of that like feel good movement. The day before my workout, so on Tuesday, I might do some of that after my workout, just a few exercises. Cause now remember I lift heavy on my Wednesday. So that's going to be a little bit different than if you're not lifting heavy, right? And then I also really like to do mobility either after my long run or the day after my long run. And I feel like that really sets that schedule really sets me up for success. Now, because I typically add in a third day, it's going to be Monday, hands down. So it might be Monday, mobility, Tuesday, mobility, Wednesdays, I'm lifting heavy. And then I'm doing mobility on Sunday. So it could be actually three days in a row, depending. 
um, how my schedule set up or how your schedule set up. If you want to do three days a week, highly recommend sprinkling it out throughout the week, but I also taking account and taking inventory on how your body really feels, right? I have my mobility set up on very specific days that are kind of all grouped together because that's what I need based on my training schedule, right? But you might be someone who needs to have the mobility, let's say you have a workout Wednesday and you need it on Thursday. And let's say you have a long run Saturday and you need it on Sunday. And that's it. That's all you need. You don't need it before a workout. Um, You don't need it on a Tuesday or a Monday. Um, So think about that and think about where you're at and what you need. That's where a lot of this comes from, right? Where you are and what you need. Okay. So on the Elevate Your Running YouTube channel, I have all of those, all of these mobility and resistance band moves. So go ahead, go to YouTube, search Elevate Your Running, subscribe, and there's a bunch, there's a bunch of videos. They're all very short. They show about three reps. You can do them. Ideally, it's either like two by eight, two by 10 reps, sometimes three by eight, three by 10, three by 12, depending on where I'm at my training cycle, how much I need. Again, this is all something I tailor myself based on what I need. And the more you do this, the easier it is to understand what you need, which is really cool. All right. So the second thing, how to be a stronger runner without lifting heavy weights, going to the gym is your mileage. Running mileage is proven to create a stronger runner for so many different reasons, but it is something that gets to be very strategic. And it's not something that you just throw against the wall and see what sticks. It is a very intentional um, piece to training, especially depending on where you are in the training cycle, where you have been in a training cycle. So if you ran, let's say, peak mileage for a marathon two months ago at like, Let's say you hit like 50 miles and that was your peak. Your weekly mileage now is going to be quite a bit lower, right? It's probably going to hover around 30, 32-ish miles, right? So building on mileage in a really strategic way, so building from that 32 is a great way to become stronger. And it's not something that you necessarily have to look at on like the weekly basis. It is something that you can really dive into on the monthly basis, right? Because things pop up during the week, things change, we have to shift. And I think sometimes it can get a little, it's a little type A of us, um, specifically on Strava, because I love that Strava graph, everyone. I love it. It can get really tough to like take an extra rest day or not run as much because you want to hit that weekly mileage. But it really is that monthly mileage that you're looking at to see how are you running month over month, right? If you're in this season now going into a new training cycle, let's say in January or February, now is a great time to really lean into that mileage and just see what you're kind of capable of, right? You can gradually run more and hit that slightly higher peak mileage 
over time, right? So if you were to take this section of time that we're in, we're in preseason, really work on sustaining and maintaining a really strong base. And maybe that base, if it was 30 to 32 miles before your last marathon prep, maybe now it's 35, 36, and just see how your body feels. Anytime your body doesn't feel good for more than two or three days in a row, you have to take a rest day. There's something going on, right? You get to play around with your nutrition, your hydration. There's so much to this component of running stronger, but mileage is essentially doing a ton of exercise. You're doing a lot of exercise. You are strengthening your lower leg muscles. And if you build it gradually up over time, your body will adapt as you're running. You're still going to take recovery weeks. That's still going to be part of it, but your body is going to adapt. So I wish I had my full I wish I had like an 18-month Strava graph of my mileage. I really do. I bet I could pull that, but I don't have it in front of me right now. (laughs) Um, So I know that um, over the last 15 months, I have ran the most miles I've ever run on a month-to-month basis ever. This is four years of working with a coach This has been um, built up very, very slowly. And I'm using my example as just an example to kind of show you how it, one, it takes time. It's a slow burn. This is a marathon, not a sprint when you're starting to um, build your mileage. And it's something that isn't linear. So there will be pullbacks. There will be times where you'll have to do less, kind of depending on your body and how you feel and what's really happening with the mindset too, right? So when I started my first marathon training cycle, I was running base like 25 to 30 miles. And that was maybe like three weeks at that. And I know earlier in the summer, I was running like 12. (laughs) Um, And then my peak for my first marathon got to 62 miles. That is not normal. (laughs) Let me just tell you, not normal. But I did it. And um, I, I know I've shared, I've been like injured and I was working through a ton of niggles. I was working through burnout. There was just a lot going on. And I'm really positive it was because I was like, definitely like, it felt like um, whiplash when I realized how much work it was going to take to BQ in my first race. Um, so it was a lot, right? And then I really took a season in a few months of going back to classes, not running as much, really just taking some time off. And then it was during the pandemic. It was the summer of 2020 um, where a coach had reached out to me. He offered two free weeks of training. And I thought, I have been in such a slump. I love a schedule. I was running maybe 30 miles a week at this point. Like maybe I should get back to running with with a coach and having a schedule and having some intentionality with it. It'll give me purpose in a time in everyone's life where it felt like there wasn't a whole lot of purpose. There wasn't, it was a very scary time. So I started working with that coach and I worked with him for almost two years. And 
we ran two marathons together. My peak mileage for those marathons would hit the first one. It was definitely like maybe definitely 65 one, like one week. And for the second marathon, we didn't get close to that because he was a big time on feet coach. And, um, and he would give me time for my long runs. And I was in a season, it was like winter here in, in Boulder and I was running in snow. And if you run in snow, you know that it slows you down. So I wasn't able to get as much mileage, but my time on feet was accurate, right? Which is a whole other discussion. Maybe that should be a podcast. Um, and so I was probably averaging like 45 to 50 miles during these like two years, right? Of having some really heavy cutback weeks and then peaking one week at 65 and being generally in the high 40s, right? Um, Cut to moving to a new coach and really, you know, in our conversation together before I decided to move, she's like, what do you need? And I just felt so seen and heard because it was all the things that I had been communicating that didn't feel like they were being heard, right? So I said, I love running. I want more miles. This is what I've been doing. Um, And I know I can do more. I want harder workouts. I want to PR the marathon. Like I eventually want to run a sub three marathon. And so we talked through my races and we talked through my workouts and she gave me feedback on like what we can do to up level. And it was something that was like very scary and also like knew that I needed to do to be a stronger runner. And mileage was really the first thing that we did. And we jumped in first day was first day of Chicago marathon training for the 2021, I'm sorry, 2022 race. Right? Yeah. (laughs) What year are we in? 2022 Chicago. And I held 70 mile weeks and she would check in with me. How you feeling? I'm like, I'm tired, but I'm good. Like my body's good. And at this point I had already been strength training and, um, in terms of resistance. And she started giving me some different workouts to do in the gym and talking and educating me on why I need to be doing that. And I ran a huge PR at Chicago, right? Five-ish minutes. Felt very strong at the end, basically ran on a runway and it felt really great. And then we went into Boston training and then we worked hills and we added in more strength but we really maintained mileage and my body really thrives on running high mileage and not everyone will, right? But I was averaging high 60s for that training cycle. That was a a very odd training cycle. Um, In some ways I was running a ton of hills and I feel like that was its own quality and we really couldn't do much on the mileage side because I was doing so much hill running, which is not my strong suit at all. Cut to the summer and this summer of 2023, I was holding 55 to 60 miles a week. I was doing a lot of high intensity speed work on Wednesday and Saturday. I had my long run on Sunday. 
I was able to do that. I felt great. I mean, I felt sluggish because it was summer and my body doesn't do well running in the heat. But my body like generally felt great. And then we went right into this last training cycle. And I, again, we like built up gradually over time. Hopefully you're seeing this progression, right? Of where I started in 2019, where I was running in the pandemic, through the pandemic, through the Boston Marathon 21, through the Mesa Marathon, going into, let's change things up. I'm going into Chicago. I really want to do some great things. I want to run a sub three. Now I'm heading into CIM. I ran four weeks at 74 miles. I had one week at 75. I feel good. No niggles, right? I've seen my PT once for a tight TFL muscle. um, And that's it. And I think it's really important to think about where you are now and meeting yourself where you're at now. And then where you want to go and knowing it's not going to happen in one training cycle. You can only apply so much stress to one training cycle before your body will break or your mind. One one or the other will break. So you get to build over time. And it does provide, if it's not done correctly, a higher risk for injury, right? But if you build it slowly over time, so I've built over four years and I would say over the last 16 months of working with now, like definitely moving along a little bit faster, but still very strategically. And she also knows I'm going to be right there to tell her something doesn't feel good, right? So it's a really cool place to be, but you get to start out and just gradually add, add, add. So that's going to look like your base or your your preseason is just a little bit higher than last time. Your mileage going into or your mileage during your training cycle, you're going to peak out a little bit higher. Could that be one week like it was for me during Boston 23? Could be. Could it be like the CIM prep where I hit five weeks higher than I've ever run before? No, it was, granted, it was two miles a week, right? That's what we're talking about. That's how slowly you're moving, especially when you get up pretty high, like I am right now with mileage, you have to turn that dial very slowly. You can't jump, in my case, of running a 74-mile week and then jumping up to 80, right? That probably would have caused an injury because it's a it's a huge switch over seven days, right? But if you add one or two miles, now we know going into whatever I decide to run in 2024, that my body can hold four weeks at 74 and one at 75. And this was in the season of also racing a 5K and a half marathon, right? That is a lot. But it's something I've worked really hard to maintain and to do. I've been very intentional about recovery. And it's something that we can all do, but the mileage is going to look different for everyone, right? I have this terrific athlete. Her name is Heather. Hey, Heather, um, who ran 40 miles, low 40s for her peak going into New York City. And she absolutely crushed it. She crushed it. She ran a 353, the most consistent splits I've ever seen on the New York City course. 
<laughs> She's so great. And what we're going to do in her example is like move that needle, right? So her base, when she started with working with me earlier this summer, like her base um, in May and June, after she ran her spring marathon, we're going to take a look at, and then we're going to just up-level that a few miles into this base phase before she starts training for her next race. And then her peak for her next race, if she feels good, if she's healthy, if her mind is right, right? That all plays a factor for every single athlete is going to move up just to maybe two or three miles. That's all you need. But there definitely gets to be stress in each training cycle. Mileage is a huge component of that. Um, but it is very tricky because of the higher risk of injury and also time <laughs> when you're running high mileage or whatever that is for you. Cause everyone's going to be different with higher mileage. It just takes more time. So finding that time and also making sure that you still have the time in your schedule to recover, to fuel, to strength train. Maybe it's those bands of mobility. Maybe as you head into a strength training or into um, a training cycle for your next goal race, you're in the gym lifting heavy again, or it's something that you're just starting, right? So mileage is huge. Mileage, mileage, mileage. It works. It really, really does work. You're stressing your body so much that taper should feel very good. I think Austin's a great example of this too. Going into Indianapolis, he ran, hit the most miles he's ever run either. Um, I don't know exactly how his prep looked in terms of how quickly he moved up that ladder, the weekly mileage ladder. I know he topped out around 90 miles, which is unreal for a non-elite runner. It's unreal. It's so high. Some people think my, my training's too high, but I feel really good running high mileage. I think Austin does too, right? And he started running like three years ago. Yeah. We met the summer of 2020 during the pandemic. Maybe it was the summer of 21. I'm all confused with my years. Um, and so he's built up over time. Now, remember, he also ran a hundred miler this earlier this year. So his mileage was considerably higher and he's done some ultras. So going into this marathon for Indy, it could look different because he's done so much. So that's also something to consider, but mileage is definitely going to make you a stronger athlete. The more you practice what you're doing, the better you get at it, right? The 10,000 hours rule if you run for 10,000 hours, you should have it mastered, right? Oh my gosh, that's so wild. Um, if you practice running, the more you run, the better your running form gets, the better you are at it, right? Um, so think about that as you're in this season of running and how you can kind of uptick your mileage before going into your next training cycle. And maybe that's just three or four miles, two or three miles each week, and you just hold a slightly higher base than you did last time. All right. Tip number three or way number three is trail hiking or stair stepping. Now, this is leading me into the fourth 
thing that I'm going to talk about. So I'm going to try and like not talk about that in this tip. All right. So trail hiking, if you have access to hiking, it can be a huge needle mover in how you show up to be a stronger runner. Now there is a whole piece of hiking that I want to talk about that can really unravel your training. If you are substituting hiking for running and you're hiking on flat terrain or your heart rate stays in zone one and you're not doing or you're not training for zone one running, right? Linear's method, linear style running is a lot of very low, low zone one, but running 100 mile weeks and not doing speed work, right? So if you're hiking, really make it count, right? If you're training. Now, if you're in this season right now that we're all in and you want to go hiking, first of all, I want you to know that I understand that having like a ton of access to hiking trails isn't normal for everyone, right? I live in Boulder, Colorado. There are hiking trails outside of my front door. Um, it's very easy for me to go on a several hundred foot hike, elevation hike, um, in an hour. Right. But that's not going to be for everyone. So if you do have access to this, it's going to be awesome. If you do or don't using a stair stepper at the gym is still going to give you kind of that same benefit. You want to take advantage of these trails if you have them in this off season. I know after CIM, I already have like my whole plan of what I want to do. <laughs> I'm so excited to get out and to do more with Kenzie that doesn't involve a flat trail, right? Um, training as much as I did for CIM, I really couldn't. Uh, earlier on in the season, I definitely hiked once or twice a week, but I had to stop maybe, gosh, eight weeks ago. I think as I was getting into my peak for the indie half, and it's something that I'm really excited to get back to. And it really can be awesome because if you are hiking feet, hundreds of feet of elevation gain, and I'm thinking of like, you know, there's a great hike in Boulder called Mount Sanitas. It's a thousand feet of elevation gain or 1100 feet of elevation gain in a mile. It's awesome, right? But it's basically like a stair stepper outside. Um, it will make for stronger, lower legs, right? It's going to condition your legs. It's going to work new muscles that you don't work while running or while doing your band, your resistance bands and mobility. Um, so it's a huge needle mover. You just want to make sure that your heart rate stays in a good zone, right? That like you're really pushing yourself. And I think a lot of times when there's talk or conversation about a hike. It's a little more casual, especially if you're going with friends and it can be more chatty and that's fine too. It's all about the intentionality of what you're trying to do. I know when I'm hiking here in a few weeks, it's going to be on the faster side. Like I really want to get my heart rate in zone two or like high zone one, depending on where I'm at and what I'm doing and really kind of work some different muscles in my legs. It's a great core workout too. Um, and hopefully you have some pretty views on top of it. So it's a cool way to be stronger 
and feel really good. You're still getting outside. You have mother nature. You have that fresh air. I know I thrive off of fresh air. Like I could be outside all day, every day. Seriously. I love it so much. And I feel such a change in my mood and kind of my energy throughout the day. If I'm inside all day on calls and recording a podcast, kind of like today. (laughs) I have about five to six hours of talking and listening and being on the phone or on a video. Um, And how different I feel at the end of the day from that versus being able to get out during maybe it's the day or in the summer, my favorite at night after dinner and being outside and just getting that fresh air. It's such a game changer. Um, So really think about how you can incorporate either trail hiking, um, anything that's on like soft surface, anything that has a little bit of varying elevation. Maybe you live in a hilly city like Baltimore, you could walk hills, right? That could be a way to really make for a stronger um, for a stronger runner. And I want to give a shout out to Terry who lives in Baltimore. If she's listening, um, I know she does this and it does create a stronger lower body. And it's something that you can easily do. Like she runs an errand or walks an errand. And I think that's so cool because she's not only walking to do her errand, but she's also strengthening her lower legs by walking up and down hills. That's incredible, right? Now, if you don't have access to trails, obviously that stair stepper in the gym is going to give you that same kind of benefit. You're just inside on a stair stepper. I used to do this ages ago and it's such a good workout. It's hard too. So if you end up doing that, know and give yourself grace, like that is a really tough um, exercise machine at the gym, but it's also going to create such a strong athlete. And I would say you could consider that some cross training during the cycle too. All right, next up, we have running hills. So how you want to structure running hills. Running hills will definitely make you stronger. I ran a series of hills for the Boston Marathon prep. It definitely made me a stronger runner. I didn't feel it in the moment, but I definitely felt it on race day, and I definitely felt it this summer, right? So sometimes the things that we do now, we may not necessarily feel but it is going to be something that we um it's going to be something that we notice and feel maybe in the next training cycle right so there's a very like there's a few different ways that you can run hills so you can walk hills like i just mentioned terry she walks hills in baltimore she walks to um run an errand or walk an errand and i think that's so great and it's about a mile each way and I think it's great because she walks there. She's getting a really good workout. She's taking a short break because she's doing what she needs to do um, with her errand. And then she's walking home. So she gets another mile of walking hills. So if you're new to hill running and you're new to running in general, I would say walk some hilly terrain first. Really work your glutes, your hamstrings, your core, and get them warmed up before you start running um, hills. The next thing you could do is run hill sprints. 
So hill sprints are kind of the other side of the spectrum, right? You're walking hills. That feels really good. Hill sprints are really some shorter um, segments of hills that you are running at a very fast rate, right? So this could be 30 seconds, 40 seconds, um, at like a hundred percent effort. Like you are just going for it. Right. And this is going to make you a stronger runner. I will say it's probably not going to feel good in the moment. (laughs) And you're probably going to think you're a slow runner and there's nothing wrong with being slow, but it's going to feel slow to you, which is all relative, but it is going to work. It really improves the neuromuscular coordination in your body. Running hills in general really works on developing a strong running form, engaging your core, driving your knees, pumping your arms. That's all something that we get to work on. So it does create a stronger running form and it creates a stronger runner through the neuromuscular coordination that it provides. You also have an an option to run hill strides. Most elevated athletes get this. It's usually four by 20, five by 20, or six by 30 second hill strides at the end of their run. And it could be an easy run. And then they do some hill strides. And it, let's say it's a five by 20 second. You want to just like a flat stride really build into that hill stride. So it looks like a curve shape bow, right? Like, or a curve shape um, curve shape bell. So you're running and getting faster, faster, faster at about 10 seconds in you're at your peak and then you're pulling back for the last 10 seconds with pace. So it's not a full on sprint like the hill sprints that we just talked about. It's a hill stride. And these are awesome. These are so great because they really do work your running form. I think it's a great introductory um, workout for a lot of athletes who are going to be running a hilly run or a hilly race. I think it's also super great to just work on power and strength as an athlete. And it really does move the needle, especially, you know, if you add them in at the end of a, at the end of an easy run, right? Sometimes I'll let the athletes and and even let them know like, Hey, if you find a hill, cause we don't all live next to a hill, right? If you find a hill mid run, stop, stretch it out and do your hill strides and then finish your run. So it's almost like a very, like a mini workout. I think that's fun too. And it kind of breaks up that easy run. Um, you still get basically the same benefit from it. You're just creating a win by having it and doing it when it's convenient for you during your run, which is nice. Okay. And then next up you have hill workouts. So a lot of athletes are doing this right now, because if you are in a season of running the Boston marathon, 2024 hill repeats right now are huge. I think getting that hill strength, that power, that speed, um, running up hills is going to be huge. And that could look like six by one minute and it's all effort-based which I love. So you can't lose. And I know there are some athletes who really want more detail. They really want to know how fast should I be running? 
What should the hill grade be? How does this serve me? Should I be running on a higher hill or like a lower grade hill? How fast, like seriously, Coach Sarah, how fast should I be running? (laughs) Like, let's take a step back. Hill workouts are so beneficial if you just run on effort. Now, I have athletes in Denver who will say they're running hill workouts. And when I look at their elevation gain, I'm like, no, (laughs) Denver is known to be pretty flat, right? So to find a good hill is challenging, but there are good hills in Denver. You just have to drive to them. Um, and they're not necessarily like in Boulder. I could definitely just run to a good hill. And, um, when I say a good hill, it's like, well, if you have six by one minute or six by 90 seconds, gaining 10 feet is in a hill, right? You want to be gaining something closer to that, like 30, 40, there's a hill in Boulder that I run and it's like 50, 60. It's like, it's so wild. Um, but it's all going to be training deposits, right? Because it doesn't matter if you're running seven out of 10 effort on a hill grade that maybe you're gaining 60 feet and the other person's gaining 30, but they're going a little bit faster. They're definitely working different types of speed and hill grade, but you're still becoming a stronger athlete, right? And if you're in the season of adding these in, but you don't really have a race until next summer or next fall, don't overthink it. Just do the hill workout. It's going to make a huge difference and you're going to feel it once you get back to flat land and <laughs> start to run speed. So running hills is a great way to run strong. You have walking hills. I'm going to say these in order. Walking hills, hill strides, hill workouts, and then hill sprints. And that's the varying from effort of walking all the way to sprinting hills. Each of these have its purpose based on where you're at and where you're going, and it's a really cool place to be. I love adding in a little 1K transition between easy and running a hill, or maybe it's a mile at marathon pace just to warm up the legs and body so you're not going from easy pace straight into a hill workout. So that's my run coach tip for the week. (laughs) All right, tip number five is getting faster and racing those short distances. I think you all knew I was going to say this. It's how you can become a stronger runner because you are training speed and your body is working at those VO2 levels. You are maintaining some really good mileage and you're getting faster. One of the ways to be a stronger runner is to run faster. So if you want to take a season or two seasons to work on the mile or the 5k or the 10k, it's going to create a heck of a strong runner as you transition into something that is a little bit longer. So this summer I worked on one mile 5k speed and I was working very, very, very hard. And then my first workout for this fall was five, a five mile tempo. Now think about that. If you were running speed and so you're running two hundreds, four hundreds, six, three hundreds, six hundreds, eight hundreds, one Ks all the way up to mile repeats. There really wasn't a whole lot of tempo. And then your first workout at the end of the summer was like a five mile tempo, seven minute mile pace. And I thought, 
which is basically like marathon pace. Let me put that in context for everyone. So it's basically you're working your one mile and faster in your 5K speeds on your workout days. And then you transition into like five miles at marathon pace. How do you think that's going to feel? It felt pretty darn good, right? Because I had been running like one mile effort or harder. And I was doing mile repeats at 3K effort, right? But when you can back up that time by 45 seconds, and then you just click off the miles, it feels so much easier. You're stronger, right? You're working your muscles. You're working the neuromuscular areas of your body in that speed, and you're getting faster. And so also racing the short distances is huge too. I think the more we race, the more we can be a stronger runner because we're deciding and finding out what's working, what's not working for us in that process. And then we're able to shift and pivot and do something different to see how we can show up to be a stronger athlete. So it's getting faster at the one mile, the 5k, the 10k, take a season, take two seasons to do it. I'm probably taking two next year. And then racing and seeing where you land. Where do you show up? I guarantee you, you go back to half marathon, you go back to marathon pace, you're going to feel like a beast on day one. Who doesn't want to feel like a beast on day one? If you're feeling like a beast on day one, you are in for a great training cycle. Okay. The last tip, and I feel like this isn't necessarily body focused, but how you can show up to be a stronger runner is really working on that mental strength. And I would argue this can be one of the most important things that we do as athletes. As a coach, I see this all the time. If there is poor mental strength, and the athlete is feeling nervous, like more nervous than excited, or they're feeling, they're not feeling confident, they're feeling anxious, that is going to play out on race day. But if you continue to visualize during your runs, you focus in on how you want to feel and how you want to look on race day, you visualize that on your easy runs, you visualize that on your long runs, you visualize that when you're on the track for your last rep, right? You tell yourself going into that workout, you're proving yourself right, you're going to get it done. You show up on the hard days and still get it done, even if it looks a little bit different. That's all going to build mental strength, right? And telling yourself and talking to yourself in that way, in that positive mindset of like, I could do this. Like I went into my first five mile tempo at seven, seven minute mile pace. I knew what that time meant. It meant marathon pace. And I thought for context, my marathon pace is like 720. We had been training like 715 to 730. And here I am, I'm going to run five miles at seven. Okay. And I thought, but I should be able to do that because all of that speed that I did, I was running mile repeats at like a minute faster, right? Talking to yourself about your training, how you've up-leveled, how you've gotten stronger, that visualizing, 
shifting the mind when things start to feel hard during the workout, how are you going to shift? You have to be able to shift in the workout or how you show up in that workout is how you show up on race day. I have all my tools ready to go for CIM. I know exactly how I'm going to flow out of discomfort. I know who I'm going to visualize um, and who I'm going to think about when things start to feel hard. Because there's other people in this world going through much more difficult things than me running 26.2 miles. Telling myself to prove myself right keeping my watch on my lap screen. So I just stay in that mile that I'm in staying focused. So if you are on the course on Sunday and cheer, like I got some surprise cheers in Indy, which was awesome. I'm most likely not acknowledging, or if I do, I'll hopefully I hear you. I'll do a little fist pump or something. Um, I get to stay very focused on Sunday, head straight forward, eyes straight forward, and thinking about what I'm doing. There's not going to be look, I'm not going to be looking around, right? I've practiced that. I've run alone quite a bit in the cycle to be able to do that, to not be distracted by other people or other people's schedules. I wanted to be very focused in on my workout, my run, what I needed to do to set myself up for success for this race. So the mental strength is a huge component to being a strong runner. It's arguably the most important and it's something that is trainable, which is amazing. There are some YouTube videos on the elevate your running YouTube page that go through mental strength with, um, the team sports psychologist, Dr. Ross, he's so great. We started working together like three years ago. He lives in Denver. He works with the top athletes in the world and he's come to my running camps. He talks to the elevate team once or twice a year. We did a three part series this fall for any athlete that wanted to participate. And it was a great way for athletes to really uncover what's holding them back and how to flow through it. And it's a work in progress, everyone. That mindset isn't going to change overnight. And it's going to take a long time of practicing. It could be a few weeks of workouts where you're proving yourself right at new paces, right? For me, it, it was definitely that, but it was also, you know, a lot of putting that struggle or putting that discomfort into context of what is actually uncomfortable in life, right? It flips the script quite a bit when you think about it that way. And it's been something that I've really leaned into when I've had uncomfortable moments and it has turned on a whole new gear of pace for me. So it is something that's working for me. I've heard athletes talk about it too. Um, So that's a good way to kind of think about it. When you are in that discomfort, when you are in that pain, proving yourself right, telling yourself you can do it, knowing there's other people going through much harder things in life and just getting it done. That's kind of my motto for Sunday. Just get it done get it done. We have a good plan. Get it done. Execute 
get it done, and then you get to celebrate. All right, so these are my six tips on how to be a stronger athlete without lifting heavy, without going to the gym. These are all things that you get to do and can do right now. Um, And really, you can't do all of them at the same time, but you can definitely pick one or two to work on in this training cycle. And I would say if you need, um, you know, if, if you are a newer runner, really working in on the bands, the mental strength and the mileage and kind of sprinkling that in. And then once you get there, adding in maybe a speed session or um, a speed cycle, running hills, trail hiking, getting your heart rate into zone two while trail hiking, right? So these are all great ideas, great things to incorporate in your training right now as we are in this holiday season. Um, I hope you have an amazing day, an amazing week. And thank you to everyone for all of your support, all the cheers um, going into CIM. I really appreciate you. Feel free to send DMs on Instagram, send emails with your questions. Um, If you're looking for a downloadable training plan, the Elevate ones are awesome. There's so much goodness, so much content out there for you. I hope you're just soaking it up learning as much as you can and up-leveling your running and your training in this new upcoming new year. And I hope you have a great week. I'll be looking for your reviews and all the goodness that comes with that as well. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day.